Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. You can be seated. I'll, I'll read. Uh, I will read. I will read from the word uh, from the book of Matthew. If you want to go ahead and turn there, you can find it. It's the first gospel. I'll, I'll also, just mention shortly. I have some product here with me. Um, I have one, uh, five, four different CDs. This one is how the Holy Spirit helps you. If you've ever had questions about the Holy Spirit, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is for you. You can pick those up for $5 out in the lobby. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 chronicles quite possibly the saddest moment in the lives of the believers who had been with Jesus up to this point. For three years they had been with him. They had watched him do amazing, mind-bending things. They had watched Jesus walk on water. They had watched him feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. They had watched Jesus enter to the house of a father whose daughter had just died because Jesus stopped to heal somebody else. And by the time he got there, the girl was dead. And Jesus walked in and everybody's weeping and wailing and they're moaning and they're freaking out and Jesus looks at him and says don't cry she's not dead she's only asleep and you and you read Mark chapter 4 they started laughing at him they started ridiculing him and Jesus said haters go home because sometimes if you want a miracle you got to get away from the haters don't make me preach up in here and Jesus walked over Jesus walked over to this little girl and he says Talitha Kumi which which being interpreted means you ain't dead get up and she gets up and asks for a bowl of cheerios and everybody's excited and freaking out because they knew she was dead but now she's alive they've seen Jesus do incredible things they were part of his kingdom but now in Matthew chapter 27 their king is on a cross and they're nowhere to be found it's good Friday, but it's not a good Friday. Verse 47, 45 says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus, who had walked with them and talked with them and ministered with them and to them and through them, cries out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Being interpreted is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And they're wondering the same thing. Verse 50 says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. They're not there. John, the beloved, is the only one that's there. The rest of them are, are nowhere to be found because it's the end. It's over. Failure. He told them it would happen, but they couldn't believe it. And now it's happened and... They don't understand it. What they didn't understand is Friday failures are never final with Jesus. A tomb looks like an end to you, but to Jesus, it's just the beginning. My, my, buddy, my buddy Carmen used to say, it may feel like Friday night, but Sunday's on the way. Don't make me preach up in here. 
Sunday's on the way. What, what you think looks like an ending, Jesus uses as a beginning. And it was this singular act on a Friday that looked like a failure that changed the past, the present, and the future. You ever had a moment that changed everything? Changes everything. When I got married, it changed everything. Actually, when I saw her, it changed everything. She knocked me off of my feet. My God, hallelujah, right now. I could preach up in here. I saw her, and I, I just, I, I actually fell in love with her before she fell in love with me. I had to work. Because the Lord knew I needed, I needed to work. We got married, and, and then I got to be with my best friend. Everywhere. You, I wasn't alone. Everything changed. How much I was able to pack on trips changed. <laughs> Where I lived changed. Then I, then I had kids, and everything changed. I, I remember uh, my, my, when my daughters were born, and man, just unbelievable, just beautiful little girls, man, and things, things change. I'm blessed. I've got sweet girls, man, and they're, they're all here tonight. We all wave at everybody. There are girls over there. Change. I became the guy that I never thought I would be. Everything now, I ran it through. When my kids were born, I ran everything through a threat assessment. I became that guy in the neighborhood. You know that guy who knows everything that's going on? Because he's constantly watching. My office in our, in our house, my office is set up facing the street. And I, can, I watch. I watch things that go on. I know who's driving down my street and who's not supposed to be there because I know my neighbors. And we live in a cul-de-sac. You ain't supposed to be here. Unless you, unless you got a destination, you need to get on up out of here. I see people driving in, and not long ago, this, and, my, and I kind of gotten used to it until we, had, until we had our baby. I've got a two-year-old, and uh, not long ago, my wife was outside, and she was with the two-year-old, and I was inside, and I was working away, and I was studying and praying, whatever, and uh, or I, I was probably eating chips or something, probably not, but I'm trying to make it sound cool, but you know. I was sitting there, and, and I saw, my wife is out in the front yard, and the baby's out there with her, and I see this car full of teenagers driving it but they're breaking all the laws they're flying down the music is way too loud flying down and i see my wife grab the hand of our daughter i see the look of distress and i go into action like i jump up and i don't have any shoes on i jump up and i slide down the banister and while i'm sliding i pick up my boots because i wear boots i pick up my boots i start sliding them on while i'm running it's like i'm honestly it's like the iron man i'm like I jump out, I'm like, yo, slow down, blew their car up, it was amazing. My wife was like, hey, Pastor Jeremy, I was like, God bless you all, see you at church, <laughs> in heaven. Everything changed. My parents, whenever... <laughs> Whenever they got grandkids, I gave them the first grandkids. When they got grandkids, it changed the way they responded, reacted. And I remember the first time that my mother kept my two oldest daughters without us there. She kept them alone. We left. We went on a little vacation. Mom kept them and decided, I'll take them shopping. I think I have a picture of my two girls. Do I have, do I have a picture, Jaren, back there? Okay. The, the, yeah, unbelievable. This is about the, I'm sorry, girls, I'm embarrassing. This is about the age that they were. Now, they look, they look like angels. <laughs> They're not. Those things on their back are shoulder blades, not wings. 
And mom took them to Steinmark because we don't do Macy's, you know, we do Steinmark. A little above Walmart. Um, she, she took him to Steinmark and, and she was shopping around. She was like, oh, girls, what about this? Oh, this would be nice. Oh, what do you think about this? And they're like little kids, you know. And so she's shopping. And all of a sudden, the girls are gone. Yeah, she can't find them. She's like, girls, girls, where are you? Can't find them. Girls. Girl, she's getting a little more frantic, and like one of the ladies in the store comes up, she's like, hey, can I help you? She's like, yeah, my granddaughters, I can't find them. The lady's like, oh, well, I'm sure you'll find them. And I was like, okay, girls, girls. And mom's getting a little louder, and the lady's like, calm down, ma'am. Wrong thing to say to a frantic grandmother. My mom went from June Cleaver to Medea. She was like, close the doors. Nobody gets out. Watch out for my babies. Like a dude's walking down, Jesus, right now. People were like, okay, stop, no one move. Ma'am, do you have a gun? You know, they don't know. She might have. And then she hears giggling. <laughs> and she sees, she looks around to see what is giggling, and it's one of those circular clothes racks, and this clothes, this circular clothes rack is giggling. And my, my mother opened the clothes, and there in the midst she finds my laughing daughters and that was the moment that my daughters met mean nanny i had told them about her but they didn't believe me they're believers now a moment that changes everything we've all had those nothing changed anything more than easter than good friday it was crazy love and scandalous grace the leaders of the day did not understand jesus they pressed him, they pushed him, and ultimately they killed him. And by doing so, set everything up for the day that changed history, Amen. the present, and the future that we now live in. It changed everything. Do you realize the entire Christian faith hinges on one single event? It hinges not just on the death of Jesus, it hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. Because when Jesus came out of that tomb, he proved everything that he had ever said. The whole thing hinges on one event. And pastor, nobody anticipated it. Even though hundreds of years of prophecy had said it would happen, Jesus himself said, this is what's going to happen. No one anticipates it. Nobody's there waiting at the tomb on the third day. Like partying, like Bartholomew in the back of a truck. I don't know, his name was Bartholomew, he had to be a party animal. You know, tailgating at the tomb. Tomb tailgate, third day. Be there. It's going to party. Speakers, a band is there, they're playing, he's alive. They do a countdown, it's getting ready to be daybreak, you guys ready? Ten, nine, eight, save, it's coming, he's coming. He didn't, nobody was there. All of the heroes of the faith that we preach about and talk about didn't have enough faith to show up. <laughs> Friday failures are never final. See, it ended for them on Friday. But that was just the beginning. Matthew chapter 28. Verse 2 said, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. He was just kicking back. 
His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Then the angel said to the women who came running up, don't be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just like he said. Come and see the place where he lay. But that was Sunday. This is Friday. And tonight may seem like an ordinary, average night to you. But it is anything but ordinary. In fact, I believe that you're in this room for a purpose. It's not random that you're here. Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you just came because one of your family members said, please come, I'll give you money. (laughs) And you showed up. This is the night that redefines your destiny. Because it's on this night that we celebrate when Jesus crawled neck deep into the mire of humanity, pushed past the gates of hell, walked down into the ditches of death and emerged alive. And he did it for you and he did it for me. Changes everything. When you have a true revelation of how much Jesus Do you know how much he loves you? Oh, oh, man, come Sunday because we're going to talk about it. How much he loves you. He loves you. It sounds like great news, but it's hard to believe when you're a failure. Can I get real for a minute? I believe I'm talking to some failures in here. I believe I'm talking to some people who look like you have it all together. But if somebody could see past the facade that you put on for everybody else they'd realize your life is wrecked. The secret sins, the mistakes, the mess-ups, stuff you thought you had going for you that has failed, that has crashed and burns the, uh, burned the addictions that your wife doesn't even know about. The problems that you've been walking through and you don't know how to get out of because you can't see a solution. When you're a failure, it's hard to believe the good news. We're going to talk for the next few minutes about one of the most infamous failures in all of the Bible. It happened on the same Friday. His name is Simon Peter. And we all know that he denied Jesus. If you don't know, it's in the Gospels. He denies Jesus. Jesus told him, you're going to deny me. He said, no, not me. And then he went and did it. Because Jesus is Jesus. And he knows what you're going to do. He knew the failure was going to happen. The backstory on Simon Peter is amazing. When you first meet him, he's a zealous follower of Jesus. This guy's crazy. He really is crazy. Jesus calls Simon Peter. He's all fired up. This is the guy that when they're in a boat, they're all in a boat and they're in the middle of a lake and everything's cool and then all of a sudden a storm comes up and these are, these are experienced fishermen. Jesus is not in the boat at this time and a storm comes up and they think they're going to die. They're afraid. They're scared to death. They're confessing sins. They're confessing doubt. James is like, man, I'm sorry. Whenever Jesus was going to feed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes, it was really seven loaves. But I took two because I was afraid he couldn't do it. I was hungry, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's over. We're going to die. And then one of the guys screams the one thing that you don't want anybody to scream when you're in the middle of the night, in the middle of a lake, in a boat, and you think you're going to die. One of them screams, ghost. Oh, God, it's a ghost. That's the guy you just want to slap. Shut up. You be quiet. Scared to death. But 
But Simon Peter looks up and he says, no, it's Jesus. Because relationship brings recognition. It's real important that you have a relationship with Jesus. Because if you don't have a relationship with Him, you won't recognize Him when He comes walking on the waves in the middle of your storm. And He might just pass you by if you don't have that relationship. But I'm not going to preach about that tonight. He says, Jesus, if it's you, bid me thou come. And the Lord says, come on. And Pete's like, okay. Now, I'm not trying to rip on him. But I'm going to need a little more proof that it's you, Jesus. Because it could just be a ghost. It's like, come on. (laughs) And then I sink, you know. I'm going to need proof. I'm going to need you to tell me what my favorite color is, who my third grade girlfriend I might change my color like, you know, to fuchsia right there in the moment so you can... I know it's Jesus. Not Simon Peter. He has so much faith, he jumps out of the boat and walks on the water. The only other man other than Jesus to do that. It's an incredible guy. (laughs) He's a wild man. Whenever they come to the garden to take Jesus to be crucified... Pete goes crazy, takes out a sword, cuts off the ear of a temple servant. He didn't aim for the ear. It's not like a Western where they pow, 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 and it's like ping, ping, guns get shot out of my hand. What happened? No. He aimed for his head. Dude ducked. (laughs) Just got the ear. Simon Pete's like, Jesus is like, chill out. Come here, homie. Not yet. This dude's all in. Simon Pete is all in, but everything changes when Jesus is taken. Circumstances fail. Now promises are seemingly broken. Even though Jesus said this was happening, I said it would happen. I can't believe that it's actually happened. And now we find Simon Peter hiding in the shadow of Jesus' persecution. Now he's following Jesus from afar as they're taking Jesus to trial. And Simon Pete's standing outside on Friday, warming his hands at a fire, just kind of blending in with a crowd, being a Christian chameleon that so many of us are good at. Just kind of chilling. And they say, lady says, I know who you are. You, you were with Jesus. Nah, 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 nah. No, 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 no. I get that all the time. I look like this dude named Simon Peter, and it ain't me. (laughs) It's crazy. Even his mother thinks that's weird. And he kind of like ducks out and goes to another fire. Happens again, and then finally Luke chapter 22, verse 59, and about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. And Peter replies, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turns and looks straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. This has to be one of the most painful moments of Simon Peter's life. And it's marked by the sound of a rooster. I wonder if Pete feels a twinge of guilt every time a rooster crows. Every morning, other people wake up. Other people wake up. Ah, it's going to be a great day. Simon Peter wakes up. Oh, I failed. 
You know, certain stimuli can trigger memories. You ever, you ever walked into a room and smelled apple pie and all of a sudden you remember, like way back, uh, this, this has been happening to me, my wife can tell you this, my granny passed on about four years ago, wonderful, sweet woman of faith. Every time I went to granny's house, she loved cantaloupe and she would get out of fresh, she always had cantaloupe, weirdest thing, she always had it and she would cut the cantaloupe and she'd cut it a certain way and she would give it to us and lately my wife's been buying cantaloupe and every time I see the cantaloupe, I eat the cantaloupe, I think of my granny, the weirdest thing, certain stimuli trigger memories. Every now and then I smell a certain type of Kool-Aid And I go back to before a time when I should even be able to remember And I remember daycare when I was a little kid I hated that place (laughs) Mostly because they had rules Never been a good guy with rules Certain songs that you didn't even know you knew You hear them, then you start singing them Or they bring about a memory Sweet Caroline Good times and never look so good. Some of y'all used to dance to that. Yeah, it's old. (laughs) Hello? Is it me you're looking for? (laughs) Whoa, we're halfway there. Hey, we're in church. It's Good Friday. Y'all quit that now. Nobody thought they'd hear Bon Jovi on Good Friday. God bless you. Welcome to church. (laughs) Some of y'all are a little bit younger. You may hate me, but it ain't no lie. Bye, bye, bye. Don't even sing that. Stop it right now. Some of y'all is a little bit more real. We don't even talk anymore. I'm sorry, I apologize. The real preachers will be back next week. (laughs) Sounds create memories. And I wonder what it was like every day Simon Peter hears the rooster crow and remembers his failure. And he didn't just fail somebody he knows, he failed Jesus. We used to sing this little song whenever I was a kid in Sunday school. The devil is a sly old fox. If I could catch him, I'd put him in the box. Doesn't even make any sense, but the first part is true. The devil is a sly fox. He's a genius, and if he can't kill you, he'll try to make you think you're dead. And if he can't destroy your purpose, he'll try to make you think your purpose is destroyed. Satan wants to remind you over and over and over and over again of your biggest failure. Jesus calls us to be revolutionaries, and the enemy tries to get us to be reactionaries. God calls us to step out on faith and the enemy pushes us to react in fear. What he's trying to do is he wants to condition your reflexes. Now let me jump down in on this because there's some of us that need to hear this because this is what has happened to us and it's the reason that we're in a cycle of perpetual sin and perpetual mistakes and never reaching the potential, can I preach, that God has called us to. Because the enemy has conditioned our reflexes with guilt and fear, and it constantly causes you to doubt the ability of God to forgive you, to cover your sins, and to help you become what he's called you to become. This is why Jesus came. He came to recondition your reflexes. You may think, well, you don't understand where I am. Why would God come to me? You don't understand. Listen, church, <laughs> church is for sinners. When you come to the altar, bring your purse with you. Because we got some sinners up in here. 
In fact, if your purse is safe, we'd probably need to reach some more people. We need some thugs and some messed up people coming to church. I'm glad we're in a church that is open for everybody and anybody. We, we want you to find Jesus. But here's what's crazy. Jesus will come to you. He'll show up at your doorstep. He'll come knocking on your door. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been in the club before on a Friday night. And all of a sudden you felt that twinge. You felt him begin to speak to you. God will show up in the middle of a moment when you're in sin, in the middle of sin. And God will show up and say, hey, I love you. You're like, can you go away for just a moment? He has to come to where you are because that's the only way it works. When my girls were small, they had this little uh, pool party. And um, I have a picture of them. I'm sorry, girls. I'm sorry. Look how cute they are. Girls are embarrassed. That's so cute, man. And uh, they were so sweet, and they still are sweet. God has blessed me with wonderful daughters. They're the sweetest little kids, man. We're having this pool party, and there's all kind of parents out there, and all these little girls swimming, jumping in the pool. And, you know, I'm kind of sitting on the edge of the pool, and we're all talking and everything. And there was this, there was this um, other little girl, and I have another picture of another little girl, and her name is Madeline. And is she not the cutest little kid you've ever seen? I mean, just, she's got her little, you know, she's grinning, and she's got the little thing. And I watch them, and they're out there in the water, and they're all just kind of playing, and, and we're all the parents, we're like cooking out, and just kind of chilling and whatever. And I watch Madeline, and she's kind of bouncing around. You know how you bounce in a pool when you're little? You're trying to float, you know, and you're bouncing, and she's kind of bouncing around in the pool. And she's like, wee-hee, woo-hoo, you know, and all the girls are playing and everything. And she's kind of bouncing around. And then I notice, I saw this look on her face. And she starts bouncing right off the slope that goes into the deep end. And if you're a little kid... And you're bouncing, and you, have you ever had that happen? And now all of a sudden, because the water's already up to here, and you've lost your footing, and you can't bounce now, and you slip. And I watched her, and she bounced once, and then she went under. And I went into action immediately, because I noticed she doesn't know how to swim. And so, literally, I jumped up out of my chair. I ran, and I dove in the Actually, it wasn't like that at all. I was like, ah! <laughs> I just jumped in, like, ah! I dog paddled up. I picked her up, you know. Hey, okay. You know, she's spitting water out, you know. Everybody's looking, and I, I, I took her, and she's crying. Took her over to the edge of the pool. Her mother comes over, gets her out. She's weeping, just, oh, my baby, are you okay? Are you okay? Because nobody saw it but me. And then this little girl, sweetheart little girl, comes up to me, and she's sniffling, and she's got the snubs. We, we used to call them the snubs. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't breathe. You're like, hey. <laughs> you know. She comes over and she says, thank you for saving my life. And it was just amazing. And I'm still in the water because for some stupid reason, I wore a linen shirt and linen pants. And I needed a towel in order to get out of the water, you know. So I'm sitting there, it's okay. But can you imagine had things been differently? What if I'd have sat on the edge of the pool and I'd have seen her dip once and then dip twice and now she's under the water? And I ran to the edge of the pool and said, Madeline, come up for air. You have to do this. Kick your legs. What is wrong with you? Are you a baby? Cup your hands. Don't flop about. You go deeper in the water. <laughs> oh, my God, look at this girl. Swim. 
Until you get close to the edge, I will do nothing. You must come to me before I will reach my hand down to you. You do your part and then I'll do mine. She couldn't. She couldn't. She wanted to. She was fighting for air. She didn't know how to swim. She had to have somebody who with reckless abandon would jump in after her and pick her up and save her life. And you had to have the same thing too. You couldn't save yourself. You couldn't be perfect enough. That's why He came in after you. And He's still coming after you. You cannot get good enough. Wish I had time to preach that. I'm going to preach it on Sunday. You cannot get good enough. You have to have an encounter with Jesus. Because it changes everything. This is exactly what happens to Simon Peter. If you fast forward the story, I'm not going to turn there, but I'll, I'll tell you about it. John chapter 21, Simon has gone back to fishing. Jesus calls him from fishing and says, come with me and I'll make you fishers of men. And now Jesus has died. Oh, he's risen again, but Simon Pete's a failure. And even though Jesus did what he said he would do, Simon knows he didn't do what he said he would do. He told Jesus, I won't fail you. Some of us have done the same thing. We've made one of those promises. God, if you get me out of this, I'll never... And then you find yourself in the same situation again. And so what does he do? He goes back to his default. And his default is fishing. He goes back to the life that God called him from. Because that's what the enemy always does. You'll never be more than what you were. God said he could change you. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church. But look at you now. You remember when that guy prophesied over you? You remember when your mother told you you could be anything? You remember when that preacher was preaching? Well, he wasn't preaching to you. They didn't know the mistakes that you had made. But Jesus reconditions Simon Peter in such a profound way. In the middle of fear and failure and doubt, it's after the resurrection. Simon Peter is out. He's fishing. He's in the boat with the boys. And he looks on the beach, and on the beach he sees Jesus. And Jesus is just casually walking along the beach. And this time, Peter recognizes him again. And you know, Pete, he's all in. So he jumps in the water, and he swims to Jesus, and he swims up on the shore. They've been fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. He gets up on the shore, and Jesus is just kind of hanging out there. Jesus has got a little fire. He's cooking some fish because he's the best chef ever. I believe he was frying it, I think, probably, because I believe Jesus likes fried food. Thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, thank you for that gift, for that gift. Little Tony Sachery's on there. You know, I mean, he's got, it, he's got it rocking, probably some fries somewhere, you know, not sweet potato either for the real hand-cut ones, you know. He's got a little Tabasco. Mm, my God, I'm getting ready to have to close. Woo! He's got some hush puppies on the side. Bobby Flay ain't nowhere around because Jesus done won the contest. He's cooking and Simon Pete walks up and realizes that Jesus already has what they've been looking for all night. 
Because when you go back to that old life looking for things to fulfill you, he's already got it and he's the only one who can. And three, three times, three times, musicians, you guys can come. Three times he asks Simon Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? He's reconditioning Simon Peter. One of the last things that he says to Simon Peter is the first thing that he said, follow me. Reinstating him. Why does he th- say it three times? Maybe it was because Simon Peter denied him three times and he's giving him the opportunity for his own conscience. When, when, when he calls to the disciples after the resurrection, he says, tell the disciples and Peter and failure and the one who made the mistakes and the one who messed up. God is so good, but here's what I want to bore into. Oh, man, this is so cool. I've never seen this until last year. I was reading a book, and it brought this out. Do you know when this reinstatement happens? When Jesus on the beach reinstates Simon Peter, reconfirms him, reiterates his calling from, you know when it happened? John chapter 21, verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. This is the beginning. Right before Simon Peter dives out of the boat. What time is it? It's early. When do roosters crow? Early in the morning. So now, when Simon Peter hears a rooster crow, he doesn't remember the failure. He remembers the beach. He doesn't remember Friday. He remembers the day that Jesus actually gave him what he had been looking for all night. God is so good. What the enemy uses to remind you of your failure, God will use to remind you of your faith. Friday failures are never final when you have an encounter with God. Here's what I want you to understand. Never confuse a single mistake with a final mistake. The Bible says His mercy endures for a couple of days. That's not what it says. It says His mercy endures forever. Forever. And I don't know what your fear is tonight. Maybe you didn't even plan on coming tonight. But God planned on meeting you tonight. God planned on restoring you tonight. God sent a preacher to tell you tonight, it's not over. You're not too far. You haven't made too many mistakes. You haven't messed up beyond salvation. It's not over. It's just beginning. A tomb looks like an ending to you, but it's just a beginning with Jesus. He knows how many times you've failed. He knows that you feel forgotten, forsaken, and alone. He had to come, and he who knew no sin, that's what the Bible says, he knew no sin, and he became sin. Do you know what that means? A man who had never committed a sin carried the guilt, the shame, and the responsibility of every sin that had ever been committed and would ever be committed. Now let your mind walk on that for a minute. Every horrible crime in history rested upon Jesus in that moment. A sinless man became sin. Why did he do that? Because... 
needed to feel forgotten, forsaken, and alone for you. He carried what you're carrying right now and he overcame it so you can do the same. He did it for you on Friday because Sunday's coming. Because Sunday's coming. I talked I talked to a guy I talked to a guy this week born and raised in church high calling on his life been around church a long time but when he was about 14 things started changing for him stopped coming home at night by 17 he's hooked on cocaine his parents pull for him they reach for him he goes to a little rehab tries to come back out of it they send him to Bible college at 19 doesn't take him long to get kicked out of there for doing acid in the dorm from 19 to 28 he's hooked on meth life is messed up now, now here's what I want I need you to understand this man went so far as to make fun of God to make fun of believers to make fun of his past of his upbringing to say I'll never darken the doors of a church ever again he was vitriolic he was angry he had known the gospel been raised in church walked so far from God that you wouldn't recognize him and he was resigned this is what he told me he said I was resigned to the fact that I would die of alcohol poisoning or somewhere in a in a hotel or in a crack house that I was going to die well before my time and then for some reason he stumbled into his mom's office and she looked at him and said do you need help began to weep and said yes I need help this man would freeze whiskey overnight and drink it all day long the next day to keep it cold he drank whiskey all the way to the rehab center he's in the rehab center somebody turns on some Christian music some worship music and he said in that room I felt Jesus flood in and wrap his arms around me and tell me I love you. No matter what you've done, I love you. No matter where you've been, I love you. You can't go too far from me, I love you. Said a few days later, a preacher came and walked in and sat with him. Told him, I believe in you. You're going to be a great man. God's going to do great things in your life. He said it was hard for me to actually believe that. But here we are, years later. The preacher was Pastor Rex Johnson. And the man was Jeremiah Bridges, who sits on the board. He's an usher. He's been a Sunday school teacher. Stand up, Jeremiah and Crystal. Right over there in this church. You cannot go too far where God's hand won't reach you. 
You can't do too much where He won't forgive you. Got a beautiful little boy that He brought around with Him today while He was working. Because God loves people and He died for you. Won't you live for Him today? Won't you live for Him today? Friday failures are never final. Stand with me all across this room right now. I want to pray over you, Lord, in your name. I pray right now for each and every person under the sound of my voice. You have brought someone to this room tonight for a purpose, for a plan, for a calling, God. Because they've been far from you and they've believed some kind of lie that kept telling them you've done too much. You've gone too far. You've made too many mistakes. And the voice of God sounds angry to them. So tonight, help them to know they're not hearing the voice of God. Help them to be still and listen to hear you say, I love you. Let us be changed forever with this encounter. In Jesus' name. You know that scripture that says, Satan roams to and fro like a lion seeking whom he may devour if you look that up seeking who he may devour if you look that up you'll see that what he's doing is he's impersonating a lion and the lion that he's impersonating is the lion of the tribe of Judah he's walking around acting like a king with authority And do you know what he keeps telling you? Do you know what he's telling you? He's telling you this. God is mad at you. You've made too many mistakes. You've messed up too many times. God is mad at you. The only way the enemy has authority is if you believe the lie. God never speaks to you in anger. Because he's not mad at you. He's mad about you. And he's reaching for you. So I want you to listen to his voice tonight. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.